PenPod, internal medicine podcasts from the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Hello everyone, this is Hany Alsom Carey, one of the chief medical residents for the 2014-2015 academic year, and the topic of this podcast is hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. The purpose of this short intro talk is to prepare interns and residents to take care of patients with stem cell transplants prior to their liquid oncology rotations. If you have not yet rotated on our liquid oncology service, you will find that around a third to a half of the patients have either undergone a stem cell transplant previously or are currently admitted to the hospital for their transplant. Knowing the basics of stem cell transplants, including nomenclature, the types of transplants, and the general clinical indications will no doubt serve you well during the rotation and impress your attendings, which is always a good thing. First, let's start with the types of transplant and corresponding indications in nomenclature. Hematopoietic stem cell transplant, often abbreviated HSCT or just SCT, is the more appropriate term for this therapy over the antiquated term bone marrow transplant or BMT. The reason for the new terminology is that most patients actually receive colony-stimulating factor-mobilized stem cells obtained from the peripheral blood of their donors rather than cells from the donor bone marrow. Sometimes when peripheral blood is the source of the stem cells, the transplant may be abbreviated as PBSCT in the one-liner for the patient. Stem cell transplants come in three basic types, autologous stem cell transplants in which the patient's own previously mobilized and collected stem cells are given back to them after they receive large doses of cytotoxic chemotherapy, allogeneic stem cell transplants in which an HLA-matched related or unrelated donor is the source of the stem cells, and syngeneic stem cell transplants in which the patient's identical twin serves as the source of the stem cells. Autologous transplants are usually used to give the patient very high doses of chemotherapy in an attempt to reduce the burden of their disease, as without the stem cells to rescue the patient, the doses of chemo are so high that they would be fatal to the patient. You will see them most commonly used in patients with multiple myeloma and some lymphomas. Algeneic transplants are typically done with the intent to cure the patient of an acute myeloid leukemia, an acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or certain aggressive lymphomas. Because the donor and patient are not immunologically identical, even fully HLA-matched allogeneic transplants come with a risk of graft-versus-host disease, abbreviated GVHD. More on that later. Syngeneic transplants are unique in that the donor is immunologically identical, as they are the patient's identical twin, so there is no risk of GVHD. They are different from autologous marrow transplants because there is no risk that the transplanted cells are contaminated with tumor cells. Because very few people have identical twins, not surprisingly, the vast majority of transplants you will see are autologous and allogeneic, so-called autos and allos, so we will limit the discussion to those. As I mentioned, transplants are HLA-matched. Recall that HLA stands for human leukocyte antigen, an important part of the major histocompatibility complex of humans. Ten antigens are currently tested, and most patients receive 10 out of 10 matched transplants, though some are mismatched at one or two loci. Donors may be matched unrelated donors, or MUD, or they may be matched related donors, MRD, or sibling donors. And mention these details because it's quite common for the degree of matching and the type of donor to be reported in the one-liner for a patient with a stem cell transplant. With all types of transplants, high-dose chemotherapy plus or minus total body irradiation is given prior to the infusion of stem cells for the purpose of eradicating the underlying disease, and in the case of allotransplant, to immunosuppress the patient and prevent rejection of the donor stem cells. This high-dose chemotherapy is referred to as the conditioning or preparative regimen. In allogeneic transplants, the conditioning regimen may be, may be either myeloablative or non-myeloablative. 
Myeloablative transplants are done with the intention of obliterating the marrow of the patient in an effort to eradicate all of the tumor cells and allow the donor cells to grow up and repopulate the so-called scorched earth marrow. The most common myeloablative conditioning regimen you will see at HUP is high-dose cyclophosphamide with total body irradiation, abbreviated CYTBI, or just CYTBI, in the one-liner for those patients. Non-myeloablative transplants use lower doses of chemotherapy and are much better tolerated by patients. They still condition the patient's marrow and kill most of the tumor cells, relying on what's called a graft-versus-leukemia or graft-versus-tumor effect to kill any lingering tumor cells. The most common non-myeloablative conditioning regimen you'll see at HUP is fludarabine with busulfan, so-called flu-boo transplants. I'll briefly touch on graft-versus-host disease, or GVHD, because it's important to know if alloy transplant patients have or have had GVHD. Also, it's a not uncommon cause for admission to the liquid onc service. GVHD is caused by immune attack by the donor T-cells on the recipient's organs. It typically involves one or more of the skin, gut, and liver, but it may affect any number of organs. It is graded according to severity from 1 to 4 and is classified as acute or chronic on the basis of clinical presentation, biopsy results, and time from transplant that it presents. When presenting a patient with a hematopoietic stem cell transplant, it's always useful to know how many days post-transplant the patient is, as this is related to the risk of various complications. Day zero is the day the patient receives the donor cells. They tend to be admitted to the hospital around day minus six, and most of the time you will be presenting them after their transplant. So if they are 152 days after their transplant, for example, you will include that they are day plus 152 in your one-liner for the patient. Now let's put it all together by reviewing a sample one-liner for a stem cell transplant patient. Imagine you are the intern presenting this patient, and try to recall what each of the parts of this one-liner means. I'm going to read the one-liner as it would appear on the sign-out, using just the letters for abbreviations rather than reading out the whole abbreviation. Try to recall what they stand for as I read them. John Doe is a 57-year-old man with a history of acute myeloid leukemia, day plus 152, status post CY, TBI, 10 out of 10, MUD, ALO, PBSCT, complicated by GVHD of the skin and gut, presenting with worsened gut GVHD symptoms and neutropenic fevers. Now let's review. In this example, the patient's transplant was 152 days ago, as signified by the day plus 152. It is myeloablative, which you know because they received conditioning with cyclophosphamide with total body irradiation. The tenet of 10 refers to the HLA matching, which in this case is HLA identical with no mismatches. The MUD stands for matched unrelated donor. ALLO is short for allogeneic, and PBSCT stands for peripheral blood stem cell transplant, telling us the source of the donor cells was the peripheral blood. Remember that GVHD is graft-versus-host disease, and in this case, it is involving both the skin and the gut. Alright guys, that concludes this brief intro to Hematopoietic Stem Cell Transplant Podcast. Good luck on roads!